So roughly a week ago, I came back from Mawa, New Jersey. I spent about five days in the area. We went into New York City for a day, which was nice. Spent a day touring Sopranos locations and getting my sense of New Jersey. In fact, a large portion of the trip was spending time in suburban New Jersey, the north part of New Jersey. I've experienced the south part of New Jersey through my time last year in Pennsylvania. And it's interesting, actually, how long a state New Jersey is. I didn't venture that far south this trip. I didn't really have much interest in going outside about a one-hour radius from Mawa. We got up into New York State, too, which was interesting. Interesting experiences. But I think the thing that this trip reminded me was associated with how the joy that I get in producing podcasts and producing content is incredibly time-consuming, and I really need to double down my efforts working on this thing. Now, this weekend, my wife is away on a cruise. It's actually a long cruise. So I have had the ability to record music and work on text and just think about things more dynamically. Recording music for me is such a luxury, and I record typically single tracks, but this time with my wife away, I've recorded, I think, about seven tracks in her absence. So it's been remarkably productive. But most of this is just sheer catharsis. I have so much pent-up creative energy, some cognitive frustration. A wide variety of factors are actually enabling me to create music at a rapidity that I had not previously. The quality might be questionable. I think out of the seven, three tracks immediately jump out at me. Uh, the four more will take some work to get into something. So of that order, the Last Monkey Standing, which is the recording that I'm recording for, that thing probably will be like an EP. I might be able to get some, yeah, you know, some additional filler tracks, but it's probably going to be three main tracks, maybe five main tracks at a pinch, and then filler tracks, which is almost past EP. The catharsis associated with The Last Monkey Standing is the ongoing thing associated with the alleged comedian. He hasn't created any new content. So he's continuing to tack Noble Ape onto everything that he does. So there's a wide variety, like he's putting out old content under the name Noble Ape. And, you know, a wide variety of things which just have nothing to do with Noble Ape. I mean, his whole thing has nothing to do with Noble Ape. So part of it is actually to create content to continue to anchor this thing that I've been doing for 22 years now. But part of it is also just fun. I mean, creating music is really very interesting. And exploring one's own, I don't know, musical thoughts is something that is really very enjoyable. And I've certainly got a lot of time for just doing that in and of itself. And I think even after this thing has passed, when he releases whatever his next project is going to be called, then I'm still going to be recording music. I mean, it's interesting how these experiences return me to working on creative things. I've been working on Dirty Youth, which I talked about in the last podcast, and that as well is remarkably cathartic. Now, I'm not producing the words that I'd like to produce in terms of just volume, but it's certainly laying out the story in a fashion that I think is quite compelling. And certainly reflecting upon it and writing in it, I get the sense that this could be a very interesting thing to finally get out. Now, I have no illusions associated with the PR component to this thing. My experience in the last year has caused me to think very critically 
associated with how I do PR. I hired a publicist for a couple of months, which was, well, it was a learning experience. I mean, I think to say it was a waste of time negates the fact that I learned a lot through that process. I learned that having a bad PR person is expensive and time-consuming and not worth the effort. So that learning experience made me realize that I need to be very mindful associated with how I do these releases, audio releases, to the point where I'm now thinking about video clips and just putting out, uh, you know, a, a music video in the rawest sense of the term associated with a couple of tracks and just seeing what that does. The June 13th, this is no blate track, had a clip which I put together relatively rapidly, but it's still got a number of views. And I think if I had a clip that was more, or here I'm talking about a music video, the term clip is maybe slightly erroneous, but this vehicle enables folk to consume some of the stuff and get it out there and also get the degree of interest associated with the work. I've got a variety of other ideas that are still simmering. I talked in the last podcast associated with Finding Like-Minded, which is a project that has been simmering, unfortunately. I have a number of projects, <laughs> and I've got to continue to work on them. And Finding Like-Minded is less of a priority currently. So I'm wondering if I just record a couple of test pilot episodes, put those up, record a couple more, try to do this thing in a way where it's not obligatory in terms of time, but also enables me to explore the format a little bit before pushing it public. I think that might work. I don't know. But as it is now, until I've completed the audio work that I'm working on, until I've completed the writing work that I'm working on, I'm kind of deprioritizing a bunch of other things. What's interesting through this process is, and certainly space consumption more than time consumption, although time consumption cognitively as well, I've been reflecting on the miniature painting project. I met another miniature painter when I was in Mawa. And having met two of the folks that I'm employing to do miniature painting, I'm starting to realize that this project needs to wind down in some very real sense. In terms of the time, it's time consuming. In terms of the cost, the cost is there as well. But I need to be in a place where I am dealing with folk that are of a professional level that are akin to the folk that I used to deal with. Now, part of that is education. I mean, part of that is my responsibility associated with working with these painters. But it comes at a point where I really don't need this additional stuff in my life. It's wonderful to get occasional beautifully painted miniatures, but the frequency that that occurs is relatively rare. And the number of painters that are involved here, disproportionate basically to the work output. So I'm going to work very critically on that in the next few months and reduce the number of painters, probably down to maybe one or two. And maybe not even that after probably around the middle of next year. I have a couple of army painting projects that I'm actually thinking of just shelving, just holding the miniatures unpainted and saying, well, that is that. And actually, in terms of space, this is a cumulative thing. I'm not actually getting rid of any miniatures through this. Although, honestly, I did get rid of a lot of miniatures. They were just unpainted. I just got rid of those for the space component of it. But as it goes forwards, it's additive. And it's additive in a way where I'm looking at a lot of the miniatures and just thinking, eh, no, maybe not. Not this time, unfortunately. And also, I'm being relatively critical associated with all outward costs at least till I go to the UK in February. The plan to go to the UK in February is to, 
open a bank account and resume some degree of normalcy associated with existing in the UK, potentially for the future. But just doing stuff like developing the UK version of credit, for example, and just reminding myself that this is the out point. Because clearly, whatever goes on in the Bay Area, it's interesting, but I don't feel it's my future in any regard. When I say future, I mean long-term future. A few projects ongoing, a few ideas that are coming together. I wanted to talk a little bit about an experience that I had in DC, and I'm going to do this relatively codified. But I realized actually that I am not a passive party in certain things. I feel very much like I'm a passive party in most things. But there were circumstances that came up when I was in New Jersey, which made me realize that perhaps, maybe through me, maybe through a variety of other sources, a bunch of, you know, serious life-changing stuff had happened to a certain number of individuals. And I thought to myself, what role did I play? Now, part of the issue with the migraines is that I really don't have a full track of memory. I don't, you know, maintain things in my mind the way I once did. So I kind of put things together and thought to myself, well, how much was I responsible for this thing as something that happened, you know, a few years ago? And then to actually meet the individual characters and these kind of things, and also to have my wife there. And uh, I met up with Lister Ron Kleiss. It was wonderful. I spent a day with him exploring his garden and meeting Ron's wife and then exploring some of these ideas with them as well. I realized quite strongly that in this circumstance, and I'm not going to talk too much about it, but in this circumstance, I could have behaved a lot better. And my role in this circumstance was perhaps in some degree, not based on anger, but just based on frustration. And I think my emotion here might have promoted something that was unnecessary and ultimately impacted a number of people. So I walked away from that circumstance thinking a lot more deeply associated with the fact that I don't necessarily think of myself as a positive force in a variety of factors, but I need to appreciate in some circumstances I'm actually an active negative force. And I've been reflecting quite a bit with regards to lost collaboration, basically. I've got a teleconference with Bruce Damer on Tuesday to talk about the future of Biota. But historically, the flaws in collaboration that I've had have been associated with disproportionate responsibilities, basically. And I think certainly none of these other parties are probably reflecting at any length of time associated with these things. But for me, things that have fallen apart in you know recent months, recent years, I do bear some burden with regards to it. Either it's a, just a failed collaboration or in the case of my writing, it's reworking a substantial amount of stuff to expunge or extricate a particular party and just working through that. So I'm thinking very much myself in terms of what morality and ethics can I glean from these experiences? What can I take away? What will I change about myself? And certainly the incident or at least the observation of what happened in New Jersey made me realize that irrespective of what I say, sometimes through subtle, maybe even not explicit actions, things can come through my behavior, which are not particularly positive. And I need to be incredibly mindful of that. One of the things about following a degree of ethics and morality in one's own life is it actually saves a lot of unnecessary wasted energy. Perhaps if one didn't have morality and ethics, one wouldn't have the wasted energy as well. Perhaps it's paradoxical. But I like to think that by exploring some of these ideas and constructing a life that's a little bit less you know, cluttered with these things, I can work on other 
factors. And certainly there was a substantial reality check in New Jersey, which I've worked through. I don't know what I can do associated with the circumstances with the other parties, but I've realized that um, I'm not wholly to blame with regards to this thing. In fact, really, I'm not to blame at all. Just provided some narrative, which others might have acted on. And there were multiple parties with regards to this thing, and I don't necessarily know that I was responsible, solely responsible or responsible for any part of this. But it did make me think that my participation, my being there, was part of the problem. So I've been incredibly cryptic associated with this thing. And if any of you meet me candidly, I might tell you about it. But it was rather extraordinary to me to have this experience laid out. In parallel to this as well, I did. Uh, I went to the Sopranos home. I went to Holston, which is the place where the last scene is shot. I went to the old motel, which is used in the second season, first and second season heavily. Um, also, I think in the third season, uh, briefly. But, you know, the hotel that uh, Tony Soprano has with the uh, Hasidic youth. So I went to a couple of locations. The other locations have all changed. Uh, Cetralis, the pork store is no longer there. I, we drove past the strip club. But, you know, these things didn't really mean much to me. The house was very overwhelming, and I didn't realize at the time it had a greater impact on me than going to the Dakota building. But um, certainly in reflection, the Dakota building has impacted me more. But just to be on the street of the Sopranos house, it's a regular suburb. It's a regular house. So, you know, we pulled into the cul-de-sac. I got out of the car. My wife got out of the car. We walked around a little bit just admiring the house. The house, the trees are, you know, 10 years taller. But it was an interesting experience, and it really took my breath away at the time. It was a very misty day as well, so it's hard to take photographs and do this kind of stuff. But just to be there, have a sense of being there, was really very striking. We spent a day in New York, and one of the things I wanted to do was go to the Dakota building. We went to Central Park as well. I've been to New York maybe four or five times previously. I've never done anything touristy. So going to the Dakota building was the extent of my touristiness associated with this trip. And... Central Park was beautiful as well. So, you know, we did a couple of other things. My wife went to a quilt store and we went through Times Square, which, again, I'd never been to for obvious reasons. I think I might have been through there once accidentally, but it didn't leave much of an impression. And I think what was interesting, I mean, both with regards to D.C. and this New York trip, New York, New Jersey, was associated with how my wife has distinctly different experiences based on the fact that she comes from Southern California than I have with regards to these things. And for me, the Dakota building, I mean, the next time I listened to a John Lennon song, which was probably a day or so after getting back, and I do listen to John Lennon periodically, it had a different impact on me. I spent maybe five minutes just considering the location, looking at Central Park, looking at the traffic. It's really off. It's not on the side facing Central Park at all. It's on an off side from that. And just to get a sense of, you know, this is a pretty horrible place to die. You don't really get a sense that this is a humanist thing. It's kind of brutalist and, you know, disconnected from a number of the things that certainly I appreciate. And when reflecting that this is, you know, the last staggering steps, well, ultimately, you know, he'd made quite a nice home for himself in Dakota. But the entryway was the last staggering steps. You know, it's a strange experience. It's something that's actually impacted me well more than the Sopranos stuff after the fact. Because The Sopranos I consume passively. John Lennon is kind of interspersed in my life. And it was an interesting experience. I don't know if I should have done it. It's one of these strange things where having done it, 
It's irreversible, but I don't know if it was a good thing to do. I think I was pretty blasé with regards to, oh, I'm just going to go to the Dakota building. I didn't really consider what impact going to the Dakota building would have on my perspective going forward. And that is a microcosm of some of the stuff I've talked about with regards to this New Jersey trip. It was interesting being back on the East Coast, two different locations, one which I've been to before in terms of Rockville, Maryland, and another which I had been to parts of but hadn't been to others and had visited through television some of the areas. So that was my trip. That's my trip updates, my series of trip updates. And going forward, it's going to be a lot of production. And maybe not production that actually nets audio podcasts. That's the difficulty with regards to the music and the writing is it's not something which is immediately accessible in podcast form. So please, please be mindful that if podcasts aren't being recorded, I'm doing other stuff, at least for the next, uh, you know, the period while my wife is away. When my wife gets back, I think there are going to be a series of projects and creative work is going to be part of that. But, you know, all onwards and upwards kind of stuff.